This City Wire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. Scottish Mortgage is considered the flagship trust of Edinburgh-based investment managers Bailey Gifford and is the UK's largest investment trust. As with any investment, please note capital is at risk. To find out more, please visit scottishmortgageit.com. Hello, my name's Sean Schaefer and welcome to The Wealth Show from CityWire. In this episode, I spoke to Jordan Srihanan about his move from Canaccord Genuity to Canada Life and how he's tackling inflation as a multi-asset investor. We look at his holdings in major private equity firms and why he hasn't written off big tech. Microsoft is discussed later in this podcast, and it's worth noting that this conversation took place before the firm's latest earnings report and its $69 billion bid for Activision Blizzard. Jordan, thanks so much for joining me today. Perhaps you could introduce your new role at Canada Life. Sure. Hi, John. Um, so uh, my role at Canada Life is, is, is uh, termed a, a fund manager, and I will be helping to manage uh, what is a, a suite of products, one of which is a, a portfolio range of funds that's using uh, a, a fettered multi-manager approach um, across uh, different risk profiles, um, yeah, straight through to the end client um, that are typically coming through intermediary, intermediaries. Um, and we also run um, a, a unitized uh, multi-asset income strategy, um, which is called the Diversified Monthly Income Fund, um, which is, uh, as, as the name suggests, it's, it's kind of an income option for, for clients, um, both intermediated and direct, who are looking to generate a yield of about 4% per annum that pays that out on a monthly basis, um, and a slightly different approach um, using direct equities and bonds. You've moved from Canaccord Genuity as sort of head of the MPS business there. And, and could you maybe explain how your approach has changed sort of going from running an MPS to running multi-asset funds? Sure, yeah. Um, because we have access to to internal fund managers, um, you know, real-time data, um, and, and of course we're accessing them at very competitive prices um, in terms of costing, um, we're able to... Uh, Risk management is, is much more effective um, because we have access um, to the data. And also, our ability to optimize the portfolio is far more effective. You think about the way an NPS is constructed, it's you know, a value manager here, a growth manager there, and you know, a short dated corporate bond versus a long dated. Um, what, what we can do, because we have the underlying holdings, we're able to see exactly where the stylistic biases of the fund are. We're able to understand the, the duration in, in, in real time as well, which is um, really useful in, in, in times like today where, where, where yields are, are moving up quite quickly. So um, it's our ability um, to risk manage better and our ability to optimise the portfolio more effectively that, that sets it apart from the approach um, I had when we were managing a model portfolio solution. How are you approaching asset allocation in an inflationary environment and which asset classes are you bullish on at the moment? Sure. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, the, our, our our house view is that, is that we don't see runaway inflation in in 2022. Um, however, you know, a more inflationary environment that we're experiencing today um, comes with strong economic growth, and and that should see interest rates rise and, and monetary support slow. Um, so naturally, that that leads to a kind of an overweight equities, um, underweight bonds, you know, overweight 
property alternatives to some extent. Um, but, but to be honest, you know, that would have been typical positioning for a number of years now. Um, I, I think more importantly in 2022, to generate, to generate alpha, kind of have to look under the bonnet and, and seek over and under weights to, to the sub-asset classes and manage them through, you know, what are short bursts of, of yield volatility that we're seeing in, in, in rate rising environments, and particularly at the start of 22. So, you know, uh, undoubtedly the more cyclical parts of the equity market will outperform while bond yields are rising. We've seen that, you know, year to date, and, and the momentum can actually quite materially move valuations in a short space of time. So, you know, we, we do expect, um, an inflationary environment to, to accompany this rotation in in equity sector leadership. But more importantly, I think the nimbleness and, and being ready to start or being being ready to, to invest when you know longer duration parts of the equity market sell off or as valuations compress um is is our ability to kind of add value because from a long term perspective we do like some of those you know growth your tech ideas. Um, and so it's, it's, it's about being able to, to to be nimble. But asset allocations, you know, fundamentally won't won't change from where we have been. Um, but it's it's the underlying parts that, that allow us to add alpha. It's it's the movement within the sub asset classes that I think are key um, this year. And you say you still like those growthier tech elements. Are you worried that it's going to be a, um, they'll sort of flatline a little bit in twenty twenty two? Well, uh, it, I mean, they 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 have come from. Um, I guess there's two parts to growth, aren't there? There, there are um, not just typically the fangs, but there are the more established um, tech businesses that are generating, you know, very robust cash flows, and 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 their share prices have gone up to reflect that. You know, earnings have gone up, and their share prices have gone up. There is there is a second cohort of tech names which I guess are being labelled profitless tech, um, which are struggling a bit. Um, and kind of whipped up in a wave of euphoria as we move from a world of being outside and socialising to a world of being indoors and being on a computer the whole time, and, and they are struggling a bit. There are some very interesting long-term, um, what you'd call secular ideas within profitless tech, and I, I don't want to use that word just, you know, willy-nilly, but, um, and, and I think they will, I think when valuations in that space compress, they will certainly you know provide a good you know re-entry point um for, for, for portfolios and um, do i do do i think um the larger tech names will will suffer that they, they will a bit because you know of of the way discounted cash flow methodologies work um but but we don't see them um sort of falling over completely and actually if, if you look at the likes of microsoft and and asml and actually you know taiwan semiconductor they, they've actually been quite um they haven't fallen as much as tech has and they've been quite resilient if i'm being honest they're, they're down a little bit year to date you should expect but they've been very resilient because they've almost become you know um tech like utility companies and so they're quite interesting from that respect as well do you think the sort of traditional 60 40 portfolio works under sort of imp- impending inflation conditions and, and and if not what's the alternative yeah it's it's a really good question because you know the death of the 60-40 portfolio, in my opinion, has been greatly exaggerated for, for many years now. And I, I read a really interesting article where somebody said, oh, I've been saying the 60-40 portfolio is, you know, is, is, has been dead for the last few years. And my instant reaction was, well, that, that's been wrong <laughs> to have been saying that. And, 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 and we do hear this at the start of every year. And I, you know, I, I dare say the start of this year looked a little bit like the start of last year where um, you know, the vaccines had come out in, in November. We had this big you know, rally in, in, in value and, and yields went up. And I, I guess you know, what, what I'd always say, and, and it's kind of 
investment philosophy is that there is always a, a balance to be had you know in in when we're looking at risk profile funds with clients who want to only you know experience a certain level of volatility this idea that that, that you completely shun you know fixed income and, and let's call that you know the safer part of fixed income whether it be government bonds or you know investment grade bonds to to, to suggest that you you shun that completely is almost neglecting the fact that your clients are asking you to 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 build or, or to generate you know a balanced portfolio in, in terms of return and risk so um I, I i appreciate it will be harder this year and but i also think that what happens and what we've seen already this year is that yields do rally very quickly and and and, and they go up and, and the 10-year you know could get to two percent in in terms of the the, the 10-year treasury but actually they often then you know have a period where they consolidate and 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 they kind of you know tread you know plateau somewhat and that's that that if i'm being honest builds into my kind of longer term view of the world um which is a you know demographics and and the size of the debt means that rates can't really go up too too high so i guess i I spoke about being nimble previously that's an important part of of a 60 40 portfolio and we are in shorter um duration corporate bonds you know shorter duration government bonds Uh, but i think there will be a time and a place where you would rotate from those shorter duration positions into what you call more typical you know not longer data but all maturity and it's i guess you do that at the same time that you felt the the kind of more um mid cap smaller cap tech names i've tried to stop the word using the word profitless tech um you know that, that there, there will be a time when when those valuations are more attractive and i think that's around the same time that um yields have kind of gone up as as not as far as they can but exhausted their rally and that's when you think about where where relative value is well drilling down a little bit on that i mean obviously there is an element of interest rate risk there um despite you saying that you don't think rates will rise too high but you know how do you approach your fixed income allocation under these circumstances yeah it's um so i guess the diversification is 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 key really um and i mentioned i mentioned being shorter duration that's you know uh, that's, that won't be surprised to anybody um but it's also thinking about where where there might be returns so we are we are doing a lot of work to understand how adding floating rate bonds to our portfolio would improve the risk profile because at the same time whilst whilst you want to add um diversity uh, diversification i should say um it needs to be it shouldn't be at the expense of, of high volatility and that's why um you know i've done a lot of work in the, in the past few weeks on kind of asian investment grade bonds which sound really interesting particularly because the just the valuation um compression that's happened based on their proximity to china and, and the, the credit deterioration in some industries there but you know the, the the asian dollar bond market is you know is has been around for for, for decades now has got um some really interesting characteristics to it um and you know not not yielding a huge amount more than than you know typical um us dollar and 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 and, and european um investment grade bonds but 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 might provide diversification if that makes sense because of where the valuation anomaly is so it's, it's it's about thinking a bit outside the box let's move on to looking at your income fund that you're, you're also managing now um there's sort of a, a mix of, of of stocks in there sort of from, from different geographies and do you think you're going to allocate more to the uk now that there's a bit more of a resurgence in dividend payouts at the moment yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting question. Um, I mean, the, the nature of the UK equity market means there are 
plenty of opportunities to find you know quality companies with with, with robust cash flows that pay well well covered dividends and um, and you know I, I think i've mentioned previously about we are in a more cyclical backdrop and that naturally favors 100 companies given their sector skew um but i guess you know what what, what we're more conscious of and this because it's come up my point about looking at sub asset classes is we're conscious of the industry allocation within the uk equity portion um and, and you know, more, more, more than we are just about the resurgence in dividends at an, at an aggregate level. Um, and so it's, it's about this idea of, of creating a balance. So um, creating a large overweight to the UK equity market within the income fund um, comes with additional risks and, and, and not least, you know, a lack of capital growth in, in share price, which is something we, we, all, we, we, we do factor into our decision making. Um, and so, it's, you know, it's about that balance. But I mean, one, one area of the UK market that we do like and, and are um, have got you know a, a bit more exposure to in the, in the last couple of months is the um, listed infrastructure um, investment trust base, um, which pay um, very healthy and stable dividends whilst providing exposure to real assets, um, and and also you know um, from from a credit exp- ex- perspective, because to talk about the UK in 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 other terms, you know we we do like um, sterling investment grade bonds where the yields on offer are are more attractive than certainly euro. IG and, and, and pockets of, of, of dollar bonds. So um, I think I think yes, you know, to, to summarise that very quickly, there is you know we, we do see an aggregate level you know this resurgence in dividend payments making the UK more attractive. But it's about taking going underneath the bonnet and seeing which industries um, you're kind of happy to, to get exposure to um, in, 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 the, in the medium term. Top holding in, in the fund is Microsoft, and obviously that had a pretty phenomenal year last year. Um, what are you expecting in 2022? Is there a dip on the horizon? Yeah, again, another fair question. I, I, I don't you know. I don't think anyone expects um, a repeat of the performance from 2021. Uh, and whilst, and, and as I think I mentioned earlier in, in our discussion about um, about tech, you know, Microsoft has been quite resilient in, in, in the setup that we've seen years to date. And so it kind of um, fulfills a, a kind of really important role in that respect in, in it kind of being not defensive, but but certainly um, a, a, a good stable kind of tech name to, 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 to hold. And, and actually within the income fund, and I mentioned this about the UK um, dividend story earlier, is that we are trying to build, well, we have built, I should say, a, a barbell approach of what you might call um, larger growth names, where we can generate capital growth from, from outside the portfolio, alongside um, what we call stronger dividend um, earners in the portfolio, which to some extent are kind of UK orientated as well. So the, the, the allocation to Microsoft reflects a, a barbell of, of high growth quality companies alongside um, more mature stable dividend paying companies which have got more of a UK bias um, but but the story around Microsoft is 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 fascinating and and if you think about the new world we live in today you know demand will be driven at Microsoft through the digital transformations we're seeing in this new you know working from home hybrid work model they they're going to benefit from that as people think about how they can um, you know their home office interacts with their with their work office um, you know, security and, and, and cloud computing is unlikely to slow, you know, as consumers and businesses upgrade their online capability, you know, and, and they're at the forefront of, of that space. And, you know, I mean, two, two other parts of it that are really fascinating is, you know, 
be our leading provider of entertainment consoles. If you think about the Xbox, you know that market is growing across demographics. It's not just in in in, in the kind of the, the the sixteen to to twenty five year olds. It is is a, a wider cohort than that. And just finally, I think you know <laughs> we talk about um, the, the 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 not the death of the airlines, but certainly this this proposed drop in, in business travel that we're expecting to see. You know, the, the, that money will be will be directed towards video conferencing. And if we think about, you know, most businesses use about, you know, kind of one to two solutions. The actual is 1.9 solution. You know, 65% of businesses are using Zoom. 59% are using Microsoft Teams. And the others are kind of Google, um, Google at 35% and Cisco at 21%. So my point is that Microsoft with their Teams functionality are already kind of in, in the top two players and that's, you know, likely to grow in, in the next few years. Looking forward, do you think Microsoft will lose out somewhat to the metaverse? I mean, we're seeing a, a couple of companies sort of trialling it. Obviously, it's in its in its early stages, but do you think that might be the, the way forward for video conferencing? Yeah, I mean, so interesting. I mean, they, they, they've got a potential metaverse product um, with with Mesh that, that that could come out through through Microsoft Teams. Um, so they are, you know, they, they, they are kind of, positioned um in, in in some ways for, for for the growth in that space and that that that's one of you know microsoft have got a very broad portfolio of products you know from from cloud computing um to to, to the security side through to xbox and, and and the apps and office 365 linkedin this potential metaverse product is is, is another kind of string to their bow so I, I wouldn't expect them to, to 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 be you know out of out of the race when it comes to that but obviously some some you know there are some businesses like like Facebook, where they're, they're kind of hedging more of their bets in that direction. Um, the beauty of Microsoft, and I think its resilience, you know, thus far in 2022 has been its, its wide product range means they're not going to be overly buffeted by 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 one uh, growth in one sector or another. You've got a couple of private equity managers in the income portfolio as well. You've got Apollo Global Management and Blackstone. And why are you bullish on those stocks? Yeah, you know, fair question. I mean, they they they. The, the, the move to private markets over the last four or five years has obviously hugely benefited um, those private equity players in, 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 in Apollo in particular, um, which had a you know a, a fantastic run in, in 2021. The, the, these are businesses that are really um, at the kind of what what feels like a, um, a shift in the way asset management is working. The ES, ESG is one, um, but but the private market space, driven I, I should say by you know QE since you know for the last decade or so has meant the the, the demand for for private assets is is, is huge and, and it's only growing and actually the 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 profit margin and the fees they can charge you know are not under pressure like they are in traditional asset management so those kind of um those levers have been hugely important for the growth in those share prices but but you know you, you, you what you would say you know to, to the to, to the counter argument going into this year is higher rates are going to kind of change the environment a bit and and you know private assets with 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 their potential high rates of return won't look as attractive when you have interest rates you know higher from where they are today so um there is probably an, an element of um short term you know um resistance to share price growing up uh, sorry going higher um but they are they are businesses that are well entrenched they've got a lot of repeat businesses you know the the, the pension funds and institutions the wealth sort of funds that invest with them are you know they are repeat customers coming back year after year to invest in in, in more of their funds and more of their ideas 
Great. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, John. I really appreciate your time today. This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk.